we actually raised the University Street Bridge halfway through the race, so that's why it's called Beat the Bridge. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders in our community. It's the 41st annual Beat the Bridge, and we have some folks with JDRF with us today to tell us all about it. Hannah Gillette is the Development Coordinator for Beat the Bridge, and Ava Miller is the Beat the Bridge Ambassador. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Let's start with you, Hannah. Do you want to lay the groundwork? What is Beat the Bridge? Maybe how it started? Well, we are super excited to be gearing up for the 41st annual Beat the Bridge coming up this Sunday, May 21st. And Nordstrom created this event benefiting JDRF 41 years ago to support a family who was affected by T1D, type 1 diabetes, who was part of the Nordstrom organization and has really continued the legacy. And we are super excited excited to be back again. We took a couple years virtual due to COVID and now we're back for the second year at Husky Stadium. The event kind of has a little bit of something for everyone. It's got an 8K race, a wheelchair race, a three-mile family walk, a one-mile fun run, and a diaper derby for the toddlers. It's kind of the best part, some might say, because it's so cute. And all of that to say the event benefits JDRF, which funds critical type 1 diabetes research. So it's a community event for folks affected by T1D, really just a way for for us all to gather together and support folks living with T1D like myself and, and Ava. Tell us what JDRF stands for. JDRF It used to stand for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. We've kind of pivoted from that language in the past because folks can get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at any age. It's no longer juvenile diabetes. So our organization funds critical research for type 1 diabetes. We also do advocacy work. It's really a community space for folks affected by T1D, but these dollars that we're driving through events like Beat the Bridge really go directly to funding research to eventually create a world without T1D. So I am super excited to have with me Ava Miller today, and she is one of our very amazing Beat the Bridge ambassadors. She'll tell you a little bit more about herself, but she's been a rock star Beat the Bridge champion over many years and has lived with T1D herself. I was diagnosed with T1D when I was six years old. I went in for my normal yearly checkup and the doctors checked my blood sugar and they said, this reading is coming up as three X's. It's off the charts. We don't even know what is going on. So they sent us right to Children's Hospital. That's where they figured out that I had type one diabetes. And so we spent the next few nights there learning everything there was to learn about that and what was going on sort of with my diagnosis. So yeah, so from there, basically the next year we started, my family and I started participating in Beat the Bridge. And every year since we've been doing the family walk, one year I want to run it. I'm hoping to do that next year. And then Sort of off of that, a couple years ago, I got the opportunity to get a diabetic alert dog. So she was trained at an organization in Kansas called CARES. And so now she has been coming everywhere with me and she goes to school every day and is amazing at alerting to my high and low blood sugars. Tell us how that works. Like, Yeah, so she was scent trained. So it's basically something 
in my saliva that she's able to smell whenever my blood sugar is out of range. And what's that like for you having a, a dog be able to go with you everywhere? It's really cool. I, I enjoy it very much. It's very nice to have someone else with me at all times. What's it been like for you as probably it's kind of normal, but someone who's listening who maybe has no idea of what it means to have diabetes, like what is a normal day like for you that's different than other people? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very different than a normal life. I do have to spend extra time like making sure to count the carbs I'm eating and do insulin before I eat so that my blood sugar doesn't spike if I forget to do that. And then just like, especially with like all the sports I'm doing, keeping an eye on my blood sugar to make sure that like it doesn't drop dangerously low during that. It sort of just takes a little bit more like planning ahead and being careful and watching around that to make sure that it doesn't get to a dangerously higher low level. And what's it like taking responsibility? I think for me as a mom, I think it would be really hard to have a kid with that because you'd want to do everything for them, but you want them to learn. So you've probably had to learn. It was definitely hard at first. Like I wasn't doing any of it on my own. Like my parents were helping me with everything. And I sort of just did not understand what was going on. And I was like, oh, just do this for me. But I think as I've gotten older, I've learned the more. I've definitely became independent at a much younger age and sort of learned to take on these responsibilities and that this is for my health and I do need to do this so that it benefits me in the long run. How old are you now? I'm 15. Okay, so that's freshman year, ninth grade. Being an ambassador, what does that mean? What are your duties as an ambassador? I'm very honored to be an ambassador this year. I have loved being a part of Beat the Bridge the past years, and it's an amazing opportunity to have this ambassador role this year. Basically, my role is just to share my T1D story with other people and promote fundraising and raising awareness for T1D and Beat the Bridge and JDRF so that more people get involved and that we are able to eventually turn type 1 diabetes into type 9. What do you really wish people knew? I feel like it's really important for people to know that it's not just like a one-time thing. Like it takes up a lot of your life and you do have to put a lot of effort into it and thinking about it. Like I'm constantly thinking about it, like trying to make sure that my blood sugars stay in range. It's not like you do it once and then like you're fine. It's sort of takes up more than that. And like everyone around you is affected by it too. Like my parents and my family and my friends, like they're all a part of it now and they know that they're there to help me with anything. Hannah, you said you had type one diabetes as well. You want to tell us your story? I was diagnosed at six years old. It'll be 18 years ago, the day before Beat the Bridge. So May 20th, I'll hit 18 years with T1D. I was diagnosed in, in a way a lot of folks are. We didn't know anything. We went to the pediatrician and there I was with T1D. Spent a lot of days in the hospital and then came back. And much like Ava said, it's really a 365, 24-7 disease. And I think it's really easy to see folks living with T1D in a way that you don't really understand the, the volume of living with T1D. And that's something that I'm really passionate about advocating and ultimately hoping that we can find a cure or cures someday. Because you have had it for 18 years, you went through childhood, but then you had to go through young adult when people, kids are transferring to college. And what was that like for you? Yeah, it's definitely was really challenging. Something about that's so incredible with type 1 diabetes research is that when I was first diagnosed, we didn't have what's called 
called a CGM or continuous glucose monitor. So we couldn't see real time what our blood sugars were. It was like 10 finger pokes a day just to get that data. And I can see right now on my watch, my blood sugar. So I can be in a work meeting and no one like it's, it's so easy for me to just keep track of, of those things. But those were things I didn't have until I was in college. And that's true for, for most adults living with T1D. Most of our lives were not, we didn't have the real time data. That was definitely really challenging learning to adjust to like a newly adult life. So that was really challenging. I immediately tried to find community when I, when I moved away from my hometown. And I found a lot of that through JDRF. I was an intern here in, in this office through college. I was involved in our, we had a club on campus for, for folks with type one diabetes. So really it was just searching for, for community and the resources. And a lot of that I found through JDRF and through my groups that I created through my peers, but definitely really challenging time. And we're so, so lucky now to have technology like continuous glucose monitors and insulin pumps that can change how much insulin you get based on your blood sugars. That's monumental, I think has changed the the course of this, the reality of T1D for so many. I think it's interesting that the whole goal is to raise money for awareness and research that you want it to be type none, but also just seeing when my son was six, we he had a friend who also six was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And I just remember it being such a big deal. And like you said, it was back in the day. So there was no, they had to monitor everything all the time. And it, and it was hard for her to take responsibility. Like she was just a little kid Mm -hmm. hearing you say that there's all these, all this technology that makes it easier. What was it like for you when you first were able to be like, wait a minute, I don't have to poke my finger. What was that like for you? Honestly, incredible. I have had a few different CGMs throughout my life or the last several years. And it's amazing to just think about like, I can just go about my day and it's effortless. Not effortless. Effortless is a strong word. Not effortless. But but it's so easy to get that data that you couldn't have. And it was game changing because I didn't have to dig through my purse and try to find the blood sugar meter. And I can see when my blood sugar is going up or going down and I can make decisions based on my blood sugar five minutes from now because I will see it rather than having to finger poke all the time. So CGMs especially, I think it was such a game changer in living with type one diabetes. It's so helpful and amazing, but there's still work to do. For sure. Things make it easier. And and that's kind of what JDRF is doing. We're, we're working really hard to improve lives now until we can find cures. That's something that that's been really monumental, but but we still have a ways to go. How old were you when you found out about JDRF? I don't really know. I kind of always knew about JDRF. I grew up in a smaller town where there wasn't a huge JDRF presence, but we have something called Bag of Hope. When folks are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in hospitals, they can get our bags of hope or toolkits um, that have resources to kind of help guide you through those first several months after a diagnosis because it really is life-changing. And so I received a bag of hope when I was first diagnosed, and it comes with a little teddy bear called Rufus. Ava, do you have a Rufus? I do, yeah. Yeah. So I have an 18-year-old Rufus. That's JDRF. That kind of unites us all in a way because we try to get those out to folks when they're newly diagnosed. So I kind of always knew because JDRF's really there from from the get-go. What other kind of things are in the toolkit? 
Yeah, it depends on the the age. So we have bag of hope for for children, and then we have a teen toolkit and an adult toolkit. So they have different resources based on the stage of life. The bag of hope comes with like a children's book about T1D, where the character has T1D, and then they come with just different JDRF resources. I think there's like school resources. There's a lot of info on navigating that first little bit and connects you with with other folks with T1D as well. JDRF's big thing is research. So that that's a big one. Advocacy. We have something called Children's Congress every year where we send a group of of kiddos from across the country to Washington, D.C. to advocate for various legislative actions that fund more dollars towards folks affected by T1D, either through insulin pricing or the special diabetes program is another big one that our advocates in Congress work for. That's another big program is our advocacy group. So kind of the main things really about advocacy and research and community, I think like the big overarching kind of theme is that we also really want to gather folks together who are affected by T1D because you need it when you're when you're diagnosed the community is so important because it is such an all-encompassing thing to have folks that get you and and can relate in a way that others can't is really important we're talking with hannah and ava with beat the bridge so why don't you tell us about beat the bridge again and then all the fun things you want us to know about the event beat the bridge very quickly approaching on this sunday may 21st we have an 8k race one mile fun run, three mile walk, a wheelchair race, along with a diaper derby. So there'll be something for everyone. The event dollars raised goes towards JDRF, funding type one diabetes research. And we are super excited. And where can people go to get registered? You can go to beatthebridge.org to register. What's the best way for them to donate? Yeah, you can also go to beatthebridge.org and donate or register. I love it that you have a dog. I just think that is so phenomenal. Thank you. What's your dog's name? Abbott. Ava, did you want to talk at all about like what your favorite parts about Beat the Bridge are? My favorite part is definitely like the end of the race when everyone sort of comes together in like on the big field at Husky Stadium and you just you realize like how many people there really are there who are like supporting everyone with T1D that it's just such a huge event and that everyone's cares and is there because they want to help and support this cause and it's just super fun with all of the stuff that's happening and there's all the booths and like people are having fun and enjoying themselves and it's just like a really fun like big moment to celebrate the end of it kind of that feeling of i'm not alone yeah definitely awesome and how many years have you been doing beat the bridge since the year after my diagnosis so that would be since i was seven so like eight years hannah do you want to run through i know that i saw there was an 8k and a wheelchair what else yeah so we've got an 8k race and an 8k wheelchair race a three mile walk and that's through campus uw campus and then a short one mile fun run in a diaper derby yeah we've got toddlers and crawlers and it's just a fun little like race event for the kiddos. So it happens down on Husky Field and and it's very exciting. So again, we're talking with Ava, who is the ambassador for Beat the Bridge, and Hannah, who you you started as an intern, but now this is your job. Yeah. Yeah. I work at JDRF. I've been here for just almost two years. What do you love, love, love about your job? I love 
so many things about my job. I love working on the Beat the Bridge team. It's such a exciting event and people, so many people care about it. I think something that's really unique about Beat the Bridge is that there's a lot of folks who come just because they like want to support and, and come run an awesome race. And it's really cool. And I can't believe I didn't mention this, but we actually raised the University Street Bridge halfway through the race. So that's why it's called Beat the Bridge on the 8K route. The bridge will raise 20 minutes after the last person crosses the start line. So it's just like a really unique event. And it obviously supports something that I care very personally about. And I get to work with such amazing people. And and I get to know our awesome ambassadors like Ava and Lucy. And it's really just why I do this job, because it's it's so awesome to see everything come together. And, and the dollars we raise really make such an incredible impact. And we've seen it make incredible impact over the last several years in the progress that we've seen in T1D research. And that gives me a lot of hope as someone with type 1 diabetes. So the goal is once you start the race to get across the bridge before it goes up. Yep. (laughs) I wonder who came up with that idea. I don't know how they came up with it, but it's been it's been going for 41 years. So it's pretty incredible. Wow. 41 years. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like a surprise ending. I love it. Yeah. Sometimes when you grow up with something, like it's hard, but it's normal. And yeah. so I think for people to really understand, it affects your friends and families and yeah, they're supportive, but it's not like there's 10 of you in your classroom. There's like probably one of you in three classrooms. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. There's, I think there's like eight kids in my whole high school. You have type one. And people, like you say, they don't, they may not understand it. So they don't know why, why you're paying all this attention to something when they can eat whatever they want. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely think that there's a lot that is invisible about T1D because unless you're looking, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know unless you see like a CGM on someone's arm or an insulin pump. It's, it's a very, the weight of it is, is not visible, so I think that's why I like things like Beat the Bridge and and being able to like be in community with other folks with type 1 diabetes is really critical to what Ava said to you really feel like you're, it can be very isolating if you don't have the community. Yeah. So if there's somebody you know that has it, that's how you can support them by going to Beat the Bridge or donating towards the research to make this a type none diabetes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We always say, help us turn type one into type none. We also have Ava's dad joining us with a parent perspective. We're talking to Dan Miller. You are Ava's dad. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate being here. So I was really curious after meeting your sweet daughter, what it was like for you when you heard that she had this diagnosis? It was quite an interesting experience. We were in for just a general wellness yearly exam for Ava. We had a pretty on-the-numbers doctor, pediatrician that caught a couple signals. She tested Ava in the office, her blood sugar, and she came back in the room and she said her blood sugar is not registering on the meter. It's so high that it doesn't show up and you need to get that checked out. And we said, okay, no problem. We'll make an appointment next week and really didn't think anything of it. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. I've called Children's Hospital. They'll be waiting for you. You have to drive directly there. We honestly, my wife and I had no idea what was going on. I mean, we certainly knew what type 1 diabetes is, but we didn't understand it or how it could come out of the blue like that. We were very fortunate that Ava had hers caught very early before she was actually very sick. Many who have type 1 find themselves. So we were sort of in a state of shock. And then once we got to the hospital and 
Ava was a real trooper, wasn't upset at all, didn't mind the needles, didn't mind anything that was going on. And that sort of calmed us down. And we just sort of got down to business of what does this mean? What has it been like to parent a child with this kind of one thing I really noticed that they both said was it's 24-7. It is 24-7. And I think the common refrain in the type one community for parents is, is that you don't really get much sleep once that diagnosis happens. Now we're fortunate in that the technology has come quite a long ways and those alarms that go off at night if she's too high or too low, fortunately wake us up. They don't wake her up, no matter how loud we make them. She sleeps right through it, but it wakes us up. And it's you're sort of always on guard a little bit. And you're always checking those numbers. Even as a 15-year-old, she's pretty responsible. And you'll notice in the type 1 community that kids that are diagnosed with type 1 are probably some of the most resilient, responsible kids that you'll ever come across. Because they've had to contend with this 24 hours a day, seven days a week condition that requires them to sort of grow up a little sooner than you would want them to. It is a 24-7 job and she does amazing with it. And my wife and I are able to sleep a little easier these days. She talked a little bit about Abbott, the diabetic alert dog, and then she's got the technology, the glucose monitoring, and she does pretty well. What's your biggest fear when she goes off to college? If she moves out, maybe she'll stay at home, but once she- We, we have a rule in my house. We've got some Alexa alarms set when they, when they graduate college, they're out. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think our biggest fear is not that she'll keep on top of her diabetes and manage her numbers because everything we've seen sort of leads us to believe she's pretty responsible. I'll be honest that my biggest fear is how she enters the world and the working world and what healthcare looks like in the future and the costs associated with managing this disease because it is a significant financial burden. We are very fortunate that we're able to manage it. Not everybody's in that same situation. And as she enters her own life, that is something that she's going to have to always have on, on the top of her mind as she takes jobs and what those health benefits look like and and all of those factors. Well, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it is one of my biggest worries. Whenever I look at jobs that I might be taking, I always look at the, the healthcare coverage and the medical coverage and get an understanding of what the costs are associated with. She wears an Omnipod insulin pump. She wears a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor. She obviously uses insulin. She's got test strips. There's a lot of expenses. And fortunately, recently, insulin prices have been somewhat controlled through Congress and and in Washington state in particular, it's capped at a reasonable level. But we know many stories of people that are having to decide between paying rent and buying insulin. That should never be the case ever. No. How has JDRF supported you as a parent? Yeah, so they're they're amazing. And we have been fortunate to have just a phenomenal Pacific Northwest chapter team here that we've gotten to know quite well. When Ava was admitted to the hospital, you start to learn about JDRF and they send a, um, a backpack full of items, including this uh, a Rufus teddy bear. Uh, it's the, Rufus, the type one diabetic, and we still have it. The dogs have done a little damage to it, but it's still around. (laughs) And it's really as soft a landing as you can get after diagnosis of knowing that there's this community there that's supported by JDRF and you start to meet other parents and you start to meet the staff and you start to learn about all the research that's going on. And it gives you a ton of hope that down the road, other families, other parents may not have to deal with this, that maybe one day we'll have technology that really makes it not 24-7 so JDRF and that that entire team and 
the Beat the Bridge event. You walk into that stadium on the, the day of the event and you look around and there's thousands of people there that are just there to support everyone with type one. It's an amazing feeling and it's an amazing feeling for the folks that actually have type one to see all those people out there for them. So you'll be at the event and this will be your, I think Ava said your eighth year. Yeah, I think this is our eighth year. There was only one year that we didn't go because we all had food poisoning. <laughs> so we didn't quite make it. And then during COVID, obviously it pivoted a little bit and we actually did it in the neighborhood with a bunch of friends who came out and we had a random police officer that happened to be in the neighborhood that escorted us the whole way. So COVID was a little different, but it's it's an amazing day. And I encourage everyone, whether you run it, whether you walk it, whether you just show up and see what's going on, it's a great day and it's, it's inspirational. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. To donate or to register to participate, you can go to beatthebridge.org. The 8K race is... $30 up until the weekend of the event. And then the three mile walk and the one mile fun run are free to participate. And you can do that at beatthebridge.org. Hannah, Ava, thank you so much. And I hope you make the most money you ever have at this event. Thank you. So to be a part of the 41st annual Beat the Bridge, go to jdrf.org, jdrf.org. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.